Okay, so today we thought we'd talk about um, space exploration, didn't we? No particular theme within that, but we'll be covering a number of different topics. Um, the space exploration, I think, with general consensus, has died a little bit of death in terms of uh, public consciousness and enthusiasm for it after the moon landings and the space race was all and everything, but at, at the moment we seem to be entering a new sort of age for it. I don't know, would that be fair to say? Well, yeah, and I think because people got... Uh, things like Star Trek and Star Wars got really popular. If, if like, any of our technology to do with space never met those ridiculous sci-fi levels, interest probably wasn't that there, you know, and with the mobile phones and all kinds of stuff and the technology we have, our expectations for what is looking crazy is, like, so much higher than it was before. Yeah, that I feel like that has got a part to play in it, yeah. I think you you mentioned earlier about um, in sci-fi novels and in works of science fiction and things where conceptions of space travel in the future are generally configured around private organisations and, and, and companies and corporations yeah, being nearly responsible always. for it. Yeah, and it looks well, obviously we're at a very early stage of this at the moment, but it certainly looks like that's the direction we're going to be going in in future. SpaceX, for example, have, have slated 2024 um, as a date for when they want to send people to Mars, which so crazy. You know, when you so view that purely so as a marketing tool or, or a genuine, you know, a, a genuine objective for for SpaceX, it's it's a sign of brilliant things to come because even 20 years ago, even in the year 2000, I'm sure. Elon Musk would have been laughed out of the room for suggesting something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's only like in the last few years that I've even considered that it might be feasible, that kind of stuff. And that's probably because everything else is going through the roof with like AI and machines and robots and just the terms of the technology that we're kind of, is becoming the previously like unimaginable and just completely science fiction technology is now becoming more and more of a reality. It, it's only just occurred to me that that would include space travel and stuff. Hmm. I think a lot of the challenge has been incentive. So, in the 1960s, obviously, there was a very, very strong political imperative to yeah, go to exactly. space and to do all of these things. And then once America made it to the moon and the Russians effectively conceded they'd won the space race, it was right, what, what's next? There's, there's no imperative to do this anymore. And... In many ways, we, we took a step back from from that. Point. Well, yeah, there's that, but then also I think I, with my limited knowledge of like space travel and stuff, to me that anything further than the moon was such a next level jump that there's no way the technology we had back then would have been able to achieve anything more than the moon. It is. It is a next level jump. We don't really think of this. I mean, the moon is. A celestial body, you know, it's it's difficult to get to. It's it's beyond Earth orbit. It's it's still the furthest we've ever been, um, and it, and it's only just now, what fifty, nearly fifty years later, that we're considering going beyond the moon. But even that, when years. you think about it, is is not such a large challenge when compared to even going to Mars, because you know the the Earth is tethered to us through its gravity. It's got a single side facing us. Um, you know, any yeah, number but of I mean, things. but the trajectory is still predictable. Like we know, kind of, where all the planets are going, all the times, pretty much. Well, 
yeah, I mean, within that, the solar system is certainly the next thing that, that, that we're able to explore before we even start having a conversation about interstellar travel and whatnot. Um, but Mars certainly seems to be the next thing on the agenda. Um, I'd be very interested if, if, like, say in 20 years' time, we start populating Mars and shit. Because things always take take way longer than you expect, and so Elon Musk is saying, what, 20, 20, 20, 25? I think it's going to be, you know, at least 10 years later than that, maybe. What, how do but you it's not going to be accessible to the, like, to the average person. Do you it? think it will be SpaceX? Oh, I don't know. At the moment, they got another press, as far as I know, and I don't really know much about like Virgin Travel and stuff and Virgin Galactic. Well, it won't be Virgin Galactic, I shouldn't think, because they're focusing more on commercial, commercial, <laughs> yeah. commercial rail, <laughs> rail, commercial. Uh, which one's more interesting? Space flights, aren't they? Like taking people to low Earth orbit for for ticket fees, whereas you know SpaceX is very much the pioneering ideology. I don't. I've heard a number of conflicting arguments on this based on people I've spoken to about it though whether it will be SpaceX who admittedly have the money and the will to do it but the resources needed to to do something like that are so beyond the pale that it, it may come down to nations having to do it again uh, maybe but I think I feel like kind of I've always got I've got the impression in the last however long that kind of governments are just they're so bugged down in terms of trying to please everybody and kind of national interest and just going where the votes are and all that kind of usual politician crap that things like climate change are just completely like you can governments will not be able to face that like Europe you know and all these different nations have all got histories and stuff of being enemies and shit like that there's no way they're going to come together to get a general consensus across all the different political beliefs that Yes, we need to sort this out because then it's not necessarily. A We're talking about climate change. Here, well, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, saying. This is the example, right? Yeah, it's an example because it's it's a it's a worldwide issue that you need to get people to come together, and I think corporations that are going to be the ones that are going to be the ones to tackle climate change because it's 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 worth it financially for them because what do you want money for twenty years or do you want money for a hundred years? You know, or trying to do you want to stay on top or you know that kind of attitude. I think, yes, I, I, I do think the future belongs to corporations when it comes to space travel for a couple of reasons, really. First one is they're driven by, by logic, by the profit incentive, by commercialisation, by you know, achieving things which are very logical, numerical things, whereas politicians, though ostensibly they should be motivated by such similar factors, what they're really motivated by is re-election and yeah. the public and the public are inherently fickle. illogical, fickle. Short and that memory. brings us on to the next point, which is that everything governmental is short-term. I don't think... It, the 1960s was a very, very unprecedented time, wasn't it? In terms well, yeah, of I mean, it was essentially war, wasn't it? So I think that's a good enough yeah. reason to want to face off to the moon or something. But now I don't think we have that kind of galvanising factor for, for nations to want to do it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I think that whatever force takes us to Mars first, whether it be a corporation or nations, there will be some kind of state involvement, certainly from the United States. I don't think they would let the mantle slide 
on that one when you know they they, they were the first, NASA was the first yeah, to send not, people no. to the moon. They want to be the first to send people to Mars. Whether they'll do it or not, I think they'll certainly have some sort of fingerprint on it. Whether or not they're the key architects of it, yeah, I, I'm I mean, not sure. Yeah, I can see things like with, with the space travel thing becoming more popular, and things like I mean Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, all these kind of really big figurehead kind of people and all these big industries they're getting a lot of attention a lot of popularity through these crazy next level things they want they're trying to do that I think that as public opinion gets more favourable to them and then politicians like Trump even who's just completely you know obsessed mm. with being liked and that kind of stuff just any any politician that's just desperate for public opinion and public attention are going to want to cater towards these massive corporations that want to do cool shit that people are wanting them to do then that might be the balance that tips it towards the government stage maybe These are, I think inherent, inherently an area where corporations will have an advantage because they can sell it to people better they can sell the dream of Mars and space exploration and humans living amongst the stars better to people because the people driving it have got to where they are because well, part, certainly partly because they can market things and they can sell things and they can conceptualise things in a way that brings people together and galvanises opinion and things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was an example of a pool company, I think I mentioned it a while ago, a pool company did, in America yeah. that was kind of going out of business and then eventually, just because they like building pools, they started a blog that sort of gave you everything you could possibly want to know about building a pool. And it got to the point where that kind of went national around America and stuff and then people just went, well, fuck it, you can make my pool instead, I'd rather pay you, you sound like you know what you're talking about. So then, you know, in this kind of attention economy game where people are always fighting for your attention, hacking it and all that kind of stuff, that these big corporations that are doing crazy next-level sci-fi shit are going to be people's go-tos for anything technical. So the whole uh, Elon Musk with his cars, Tesla, mm. if people want a brand-new technical car of the future, they guarantee they're going to go to the person that's going to go into space or going to populate Mars. Well, look, Take us as a one very minute example of the influence that that's had. You know, we sent a car into space, and we're now doing a podcast, largely designed around SpaceX and what they're doing because it's interesting, because it's captivated my attention. I don't know about yours, but oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that sort of thing that he said that the reason why he sent up a car is that he wanted to make things. I thought it was a really. It was. He had a good point, but then it's kind of counterintuitive to the way um, a lot of people have been trying to push space travel in the past. It's because he wanted to make crazy next level shit like that seem mundane and normal. So it's just kind of like it seemed like a natural step and like an easy one to take to go to Mars. Whereas in the past, people have wanted to say, "Oh, this is an amazing thing that we can do. Get behind it because it could be so cool." But then at the same time, because it's such an amazingly sci-fi thing that people think well how realistic is it realistic is it really yeah so I can see both sides but it's I think it is about a mindset interesting point. it yeah. is about a mindset to a certain extent and I think what he's done is very very clever from a marketing perspective you know reams and reams of things will be said about that particular launch oh yeah um, definitely from people far more qualified than us but certainly from my perspective I think I, I, just I, I can kind of see yeah yeah I can guarantee that like the, there's more talk about it because it's a car in space now yeah never mind the attention it gets from people like flat earthers and stuff who think oh, it's God, fake yeah. as fuck you know and all that kind of stuff <laughs> they're always fun to poke 
Like the whole Virgin Galactic thing. Like they should have a special service for people who believe in flat Earth just to you know take a look at that. Yeah. yeah. Be interesting. Isn't this someone? I, I can't remember. I read this somewhere. Someone is funding a rocket into space to prove that the Earth is flat. Yeah, and I think that that happened or was funded like a few weeks ago. I think. Or he was due to go up there a few weeks ago. I've not heard anything since, so either the guy died or he, <laughs> or he succeeded, got up there, realised that the world was round, and then just kind of like, fuck. oh, well, fuck, I'm going to keep quiet about it then because I want to stay in with me and my mates yeah. and stuff for all flat earthers. Yeah, you got back to earth and thought, yeah, it's flat. <laughs> <laughs> just take my word for it. I didn't, I didn't yeah, take any know, pictures. Trust me. It's know. fucking flat, right? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Mars, though, getting back onto that, um, well, I thought of the idea of doing this as a topic, I thought maybe we could touch on the idea of Mars settlement, because there's, there's a lot of different projects going on now with NASA and the ESA and um, a number of different space agencies where people kind of live in isolation for a little bit to test their, their readiness and, and things for potentially going to Mars for extended periods of time. Um, I've just been asking a number of people, and I'll ask you, <laughs> would you um, would you volunteer to, to do that, to go to Mars and spend a number of years there? Um, depends how long. Well, a year it, or two, it would be maybe. probably about three, wouldn't it? Factoring in research periods of time. Um, well, so you're talking about getting to it, Mars and back in three years? Getting there and back. Uh, if it's three years, time there. yeah, I'd do that. Three years is a blimp, like... A blip, rather. It's like that's no time at all. That's such a speck in your life that you can, yeah, easy. You should be one of the first people to go. Uh, maybe the second. You know, <laughs> maybe the third, because those first people, you know, they've got it. They've all got right, the work okay. out for them. Okay, flip side of that argument then. Would you be one of the people who go maybe a few decades later or centuries after the first people have walked on Mars? when they're trying to establish a, a self-sustaining colony oh, yeah, and get definitely. people to, to go there and live fun. permanently there. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, kind of when I go into like, uh, college and stuff, and I'd just be on the train every morning, just depressed that there was nothing out there, no real kind of cause to fight for that was just kind of like a... Like, because, well, back in the day, 400 years ago, four 500 years ago, the whole world hadn't really been explored, and you had these explorers that would, hmm. you know, they were hailed as heroes, all that kind of stuff. I always loved the idea of that. You can re-explore the world, though. We have a, an amazing planet. Oh, we? yeah, I know, but nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> That's the thing. Well, no one else not, gives not a fuck whether you do yeah, it. Yeah, no. not that I'm looking for that kind of attention, but it's just, it seemed like a it seemed like a worthy cause. It was something for the whole species, for the whole thing to... Hmm. for us. But then I think populating Mars or establishing a colony on Mars or exploring that planet would be a fucking cool... You know, you'd be a pioneer. You'd be like one of those... Classic adventurers, you know. So that was, I think that was my thing. There was no adventure left in the world. I felt at the time. I don't feel that anymore. But at the time, I felt that because I never meant in the literal sense of going out on an expedition and mm. finding unseen lands and all that kind of shit. That's always really appealed to me. It's like you say, three, four hundred years ago, explorers were very much a thing, and to an extent, it's still there today. But we live in such a globalized world that it's yeah, very, very definitely. difficult to find new things to explore in a sense. I mean, except for the ocean, but then 
Well, yeah, that, that, well, that's a different discussion. Yeah, may as well be space. We, we, we know more about space than we know about the deepest oceans, don't we? But I certainly think there's something... At the very least, in, we can see up. We can well, see everything in space. Yeah, yeah. Just with our own eyes, rather than... You can't put your head in the ocean and see everything. We've certainly observed more of space, I think, than Yeah, I mean, even oceans. back in like the Renaissance times and stuff, you know, all the old astro- astronomers and stuff, the original ones... Mm. No, there's so much there from just like uh, there's constellations and stuff. They're all ancient, you know, and that's from back yeah. in the time. You don't have the same for the sea because no, guaranteed back then you couldn't you couldn't what with a wooden boat just going to go down to where the pressure is just going to destroy it. It's you know it's not the same. Mm. I think with both those examples, there's something innately human about the the desire to explore. Yeah, and. I definitely overcome feel new frontiers. It's very much a cliche, isn't it? To say final frontier, but in many ways mm. that is space. Yeah. And I'm in two minds because I've given quite a lot of thought to this about whether I'd go to Mars and be part of a, a self-sustaining colony in a hypothetical scenario. Because whilst there is a massive attraction to that, you're leaving your home planet behind. You know, yeah. It's not the sense of nostalgia or anything, but make no mistake, this planet is by far and away the most incredible thing in the solar system. Oh yeah, definitely. But the whole far and away, the whole kind of like uh, achieving things against all the odds and doing things never been done before—that all appeals to me. So I think yeah, I wouldn't mind leaving it behind. I mean, that's I mean, it's not like you're gonna go. And then never come back, is it? I imagine if you get to the level where you're going to colonise it and try and build a sustaining system, it's going to be a back and forth. Well, like, that's the difficulty. They want people, to, presumably, to go there and recreate, sorry, reproduce, and then you know create a self-sustaining colony, which which isn't just a few people go, oh a small man. city is formed, that's and crazy. most like, people come back, and then it's it's just a back and forth kind of thing. If you want to truly establish something then these people have to be committed to spending their lives there and yeah, making that, that their home. I find that really interesting because then that's that's a whole other kind of words because like if you have people that born and die on Mars they're actually Martians but never mind that but the whole kind of their physiological makeup of those people are going to be slightly different to us yeah. because they're living under cer- different circumstances unless the systems that we make there that they are living in are going to regulate them to be like Earth's in which case, then we can populate any planet if we can do that kind of like life system. That the whole idea it. of terraforming Mars is something that's been played with a lot by science fiction writers. I'm just talking about a bubble. Oh, bubble! Right, yeah. okay. Well, like Purely the, technology. Like the, the Eden project. Yeah, like sort of thing, yeah. a massive bubble with buildings in that people live in, and not necessarily just changing the landscape. I think that is so. That's such a jump in technology. Being able to manipulate mm. the landscape to suit to be mimic Earth's. I don't think that's possible at the moment. I think it is, but the the advances in technology are so great that it's not really something we can seriously consider and talk about at this point in time. No, I mean we're just talking about populating them or even just like stepping say, on them yeah. rather than manipulating them. Definitely, we can we I can mean, create a sustainable. If that if we if we have that technology, then climate change is an issue. Well, that, that's where the idea comes from. Yeah. It's climate change. We're warming up the planet. Yeah. We're making things more tropical here. 
through our industry. Why not? <laughs> go stick a few factories. Right, on well, it. this is the idea. Yeah, if we can do it here, why not just kind of? Ah, that's why corporations are getting involved. Then, create you know? well, yeah. They can shift all their pollution it. over to there's oil people. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mention that NASA will be there in a shot, won't we? Oh yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. But yeah, oh yeah, but the whole kind of I think the sociological, uh, yeah, sociological, yeah, that's the word. Society with differences yeah. between people who uh, stay on Earth and stay on Mars, and the people that go back and forth, that's like early, like what, early seventeenth century kind of going between different countries and stuff, or different continents and that, and they kind of. But I think if our, our our technology will have to develop quite a lot, but up to a point. Will it will resemble something like that, like then we got planet wars. Britain <laughs> and its colonies, like in the the sixteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds, where it took weeks, even months, for communications to get between places. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, we made it work then. It, it's just such um, an alien idea to us now that that things could take that long because we live in a very very instant culture. And I we? think it would even between Earth and Mars, it would be instant. So it's a little bit different situation. We can't communication, you mean? Yeah, one hundred percent. Communication, yes. Like, but actually getting places. Oh yeah, getting there is going to take some time, but it'd be like, like it feels like a, a long journey to go to Australia from here, and that's what twelve hours on the plane. At least, yeah. Yeah, we kind of oh, the the perspective of the time it takes to go from here to Mars will be like relative. Like, oh fuck, it's only a couple of days. You know, that kind of thing. So mm. that's not... you kind of sit in for the journey. Well, relative to... Yeah. True like, space oh, exploration. Oh, fuck, I'm not going to Jupiter again. That was two months. <laughs> <laughs> no way, I don't have time for that. Exactly, yeah. Relative to space exploration in the really science fictiony sort of sense. Yeah. Which is interstellar and colonising different star systems. It is just a blink of an eye, isn't it? Getting to Mars, the yeah. next planet along. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it's a start, and I think it's an attitude oh, thing yeah. as well, and a, a mindset thing. If we set our mind to doing that, putting people on another planet, settling another planet, you know, however slow the progress, if, if we have the, the commitment, then it, it opens a lot of doors in terms of us well, yeah. creating a mindset where we believe that we can do something like that, we believe that we can actually colonise the stars, and it's not just consigned to science fiction. Yeah, I mean, look at all kind of the the jump from, um, like what's it called? Like the Mor- like Morse code? Tele- was it Telegraph or something? It's called. Which? Yeah. Yeah, Telegraph to the telephone, and then telephone to mobile phone, and like and then now to smartphones to whatever the fuck they're going. Yeah. It's such a the you know, technological curve just yeah gets yeah. so much faster. I wonder if the jump from it took us ages to get to to the moon. It's taken age, it was ages to get to Mars, but once we're at Mars, Mars, it's then it's such a steep, like immediate jump up in terms of technology and what we can achieve and what do. I, th- I think certainly potentially, technology progresses at different I think rates. That, I think that's a given. I think that's the way technology works. It's just it, it progresses might, it might at different rates, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, computer technology is the archetypal example of that very, very steep. Yeah, and that's essentially what we're talking about, I feel. Unless we need some crazy material that allows us to go long-distance travel and stuff. Well, for for interstellar travel, you come up against literally the laws of physics, don't you? I mean, Mm. matter 
anything that, that with matter or with with a mass cannot travel quicker than the speed of light so you need either to think of some some way to curve and bend space-time so, so you can circumvent physical distances or you need to create a way to extend life and commitment to a, a, a plan beyond many generations, hundreds, thousands even of years. One of the two is going to be ne necessary. So either you create a way to tra travel quickly through space using some sort of wormhole which is you know, on, on the theoretical spectrum of, of what people have suggested. Or you create a way whereby generations of people, hundreds of years of generations of people commit themselves to travelling on a starship to get to a different star system. Maybe. At which, which instance you need people who are in the middle generations who are born in space and die in space just so that this spaceship can get to a different star system and they can continue the human presence. Yeah. That's, that's a big ask. But it, it, it does require a complete mindset change, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, definitely. But I, th I think that also that kind of, that whole perspective is, is you know, it's looking through our eyes, our 21st century yeah. eyes. Yeah. Because, I mean, when people were looking back at what they thought flight was, when they were trying to invent it, they thought it was, like, you know, birds flapping wings. That was what flight was. So looking for us now in terms of you know, science fiction and stuff, we see what space travel is or what we think it's going to be and I think it's probably going to be, yeah, it's that, but it's this. It's a different version of this. It's something that's a practical version of this. And I think that we don't necessarily, we can't necessarily figure it out or even have the perspective to see what that might be like. But then I think things like AI, which can do thousands of years of research in weeks, that's going to change the game again completely. That could throw up things that you're talking about going against physics and stuff. That's well, we'll have the tools to go against physics if we've got AI that can do thousands of years of research. Mm. It's like we can jump a few those steps, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can't break the laws of physics, but we can bend them. No, I mean, we but can manipulate you the them whole, and use them to our um, advantage. You have these. I can't remember the technical term for it, but. In physics, you have these, like, fields, kind of thing, where so like got you like different patches of farmlands have different uh, wheat that grows in it and different um, crop and all that kind of kinds of stuff. Well, if that crop was the physics for the world, mm. or the universe that we're in, it's possible to have different kind of fields in the universe. There's a specific term for this, and I can't remember what what it is, but essentially that's what it is. So like in our universe and galaxy and all that kinds of stuff is we have a certain field that makes physics the way it is but then there's no saying that beyond like into a different universe or a different place point in space and time where there's a different field or physics field this is very lame and stuff that's my conceptual <laughs> yeah but this is my very lame and understanding as well but this is a thing, I'm pretty sure. It's, I think it begins with a G, some theory. I'll define it. Um, but So I think that if we can properly have like a map to that kind of field that says why the physics are the way it is, then I'm potentially even find another field somewhere off in... Like this is where I'm in so, such deep water here. He's <laughs> 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 struggling to swim at this point. Yeah, find <laughs> some 
other, we might be able to see some other field from here where physics works in a different manner or different kind of particles work in a different way or something like that that we might see how we can manipulate ours or get around ours or just have a new perspective and how we can change things or get from here to there things like that mm. so with that that's stuff that you can't even this is all very, kind of very, account for very high concept stuff but this is what scientists deal with on a regular basis you know things start off as very very high concepts and bizarre and then they become yeah that's what scientists do they go to coffee shop with a notebook and just write <laughs> become theoretically possible they become possible and then eventually they get put into practice that's why you know every rocket that's ever been sent into space has relied on Newtonian um, mechanics and Einstein no mm. not Einstein's theories that's a little bit beyond the pale but Newtonian physics definitely yeah in terms of the way to escape velocities and things like that um, while we're talking about that right okay <laughs> I did mention this earlier it's a sad day for science isn't it today? oh yeah I forgot about that oh, it's such a bummer like I genuinely when I found heard the news that Stephen Hawking had died like I kind of genuinely felt like it's such a there's such a void in terms of kind of like just science in general and even the world feeling a little bit more dangerous now that that kind of level of person get, isn't there. I get that. I, I do feel that. I feel like, you know, when that sort of person exists with those deep level of understanding of the universe and our, our place within it and a, a kind of such a visionary perspective on things mm. like that, you just, you kind of feel like we're in safe hands as a species and as... Yeah. So as long as yeah. they're doing like research that's going to, you know, sort us out or change mm. our perspective or has the capability to steer us in a way that's not going to just be completely self-destructive. Mm. But then that he was such a giant for that, you know, it's... Uh, he really was, and in terms of popularising science as well, I don't think this would be possible this conversation that we're having now without what well, not just Stephen Hawking but him the especially and, stuff, yeah. and and people like him people like you know Carl Sagan and I'd throw in, into the box people like Brian Cox as well yeah you know, definitely I think Stephen Hawking stands out amongst them as as a titan of that popularizing science and bringing it to to people who are laymen and saying look at the wonders around you and and helping people to look up at the stars and, and really consider their place in this vast cosmos. Yeah, even for a moment, because I mean, life being the way it is, it's so easy to get kind of caught and kind of sucked into your, your own life's issues and stuff, because they're real for you and there's some there's stuff you need to deal with and have responsibility for, whether it's, you know, you need a new job or you kind of, you're sick of the job you're in and you're trying to find another one or figure out what you want to do in life or relationship issues and stuff you've got children to look after you've got family members that need your help all that kind of stuff all those very real issues you kind of you need to give a lot of your attention towards them so when things like these unbelievable kind of like difficult to comprehend like theories and stuff about space and that it's not it's easy to see how it's not that relevant to you and it's if it would be easy to kind of just forget about it all completely because your issues are so real to you and you need to kind of deal with them. So having people like Brian Cox and Stephen Hawking and all these kinds of people that bring it to the 
forefront into in an ent entertaining way or meaningful way for people that can give them the opportunity to just for a moment consider the possibilities or consider the opportunities and stuff then I think that's hugely important yeah massively I, I would certainly agree with that so you know as much as the, the science world I think humanity in general if it's not too much of an exaggeration to say that has lost a title oh yeah definitely it, it, it leaves a, a huge legacy and an important one certainly in the times that we're in now where, where oh, so the fucking public uncertain. is so galvanised by yeah, by just, where, where we're at yeah so kind of polarised and swinging both ways and just violently both ways so it's just mm. to, to the extremes and stuff and things like that it's like it's, I think more and more we need things like scientific theory to even decipher everyday news articles and new, mm. um, pressing political issues and stuff. I think you need scientific theory to get a proper understanding of, you know, the different points of view and the right and wrong answers. But then, but also it's to kind of strip away the bullshit. I feel. Yeah, one hundred percent. And kind of show you, this is where we are. This is where we're going. This is what what we should be focusing on. This is the big picture. Yeah. Oh, you definitely. Know. Yeah. To, so, to, I mean, to properly carry out scientific theory, you need to see all all the aspects involved. So, if you've got a political issue, you need to see both both left and right sides, kind of see what where they're coming from all together, have like a constructive analysis and conversation about both sides, and perhaps where each of them have value, and then trying to come to some kind of like compromise and kind of the ideal route to take. That's like that's inherent in in scientific theory because that's the way I mean like the amount of times people have come up with some um, or scientists have come up with some theory and other scientists have gone no that's bullshit I'm going to prove you wrong hmm. they're kind of actively trying to need to look at everything to try and prove this guy wrong or girl wrong you know it's hmm. uh, that's part of it yeah definitely so yeah, any in, any interest in scientific science at all is going to lead people more to a scientific way of thinking, which I think is a really solid way to live your life. In just terms of just analysing, even though I mean you can't do it for everything. It's very time consuming. I mean you just scroll down Facebook and there's a million different things you can get into. Yeah, I mean, I mean th there is that definitely in, in terms of kind of assessing things on a scientific and subjective basis but where what I, I was thinking in terms of how Stephen Hawking has, has certainly contributed to the position we're in now where people are so galvanised by space is just showing people the bigger picture and the perspectives that they can have on humanity's position in the universe and and yeah, where we could potentially definitely. be going with it and that's what I meant when I say strip away the bullshit like Oh, yeah, everything else yeah, that's going yeah, no, on in the world this is the bigger picture this is where we're going this is where we are in the universe and in terms of what we understand and what people like Stephen Hawking and, and the people who've gone before him and will come after him have understood about the mechanics of the universe and physics and everything in general and the history of it we are titans in spite of our small size yeah 100% So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there's layers to perspective. Like, mm. 
kind of just, I mean, you can you remember, if you look back on your own life and uh, when, when you were a kid or a toddler and then someone at primary school and then uh, secondary school and then college and then university, you can see the different perspectives or remember the different perspectives and outlooks on life that you had. And it's kind of like different levels of perspective and it's, that never stops broadening or never stops peeling away before you have a new perspective and it's like there's plenty of situations in life that change your perspective and things like just considering the vastness of space and existence and all kinds of stuff is definitely one of them hmm. oh yeah definitely yeah. absolutely and it, there is applicability to that in everyday life yeah 100% so coming back to um, the whole idea of this is a, a an exciting time for, for space travel and to be interested in this and looking into it and you know belatedly continuing what was started in the 50s and 60s where do you think we'll be in another 50 years do you think this the rabbit hole that we're going down now is just going to lead to a dead end or do you think no, we're yeah, going like, to get to Mars and then stall for a little bit or do you think it's going to be like you mentioned quite a, a steep curve and it's just going to take off from I there? mean it's already difficult to see where technology is going to go I mean you take any new technology it's difficult to see how that's going to be used hmm I mean, and if you look at anyone in the past, like you couldn't imagine that a telephone box or you know the dial phone could end up as a small computer in your pocket. You know, it's difficult, and and the way that that's used and the effect that that's had on society and culture, like it's difficult to navigate or map out where a technology is going to be used and how it's going to be used and what effect that's going to have. I mean, I think we're still very incredibly naive with how the smartphone is affecting us and the internet in general. I think it's. I think we're at for a first time in history. I feel that's probably a bit, you know, kind of like short-sighted considering. I probably would have thought at the same time, same thing, back 500 years ago. But I think for a first time, we're at a point where it's very difficult to predict where things are going to go in terms of technology. Like I feel like we're in very unstable times. Like I imagine, I, like it's probably more difficult than it's ever been. Yeah. Because there's so many different offshoots and directions that we can go in with technology because it has such a short half-life now in terms of yeah you know the next big thing coming along so like inherently predictions are difficult for anything and, and space travel even more so because there's so many different factors to consider like economics political even, will yeah you, um, I mean even you know, stuff we, we can't even imagine right now yeah. until we actually do it exactly but you know using best judgment what would you like to see the situation being in 50 years time Oof. I don't know within that. our lifetimes hopefully like I mean it's, that's an interesting thing because I, I feel like my, I think my, the natural way I've kind of learned to kind of navigate the world currently is just by trying to take in everything I see and every bit of information and trying to kind of not necessarily have an opinion on it but just keep it all together and just try and find a um, kind of well, yeah, sift through the bullshit a little bit, but um, yeah, so it's kind of that's the whole having. I'm not yeah, the whole kind of the way I've turned to react to the way the world is currently in terms of things are so conflicting and contrasting and stuff. It's kind of like, well, I don't want to say anything until I'm sure because both sides are probably wrong and then I'm probably wrong and things like that. That's probably a bit of a tangent but if you know what I mean where it's 
it's difficult to make a judgment, I feel, because I've, I've jumped into a rabbit hole in my own mind, but I can't remember I was, where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> basically, I think my whole underlying point that I never got to is I'm not necessarily sure I have 100% confidence in what my opinion would be on that because I think things are just too unpredictable and I think that, yeah. Mm. It's too unpredictable, I feel. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know what, you know, given it, the ideal situation, I don't know what the ideal situation would be. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I think. Okay. Because so I mean, you don't know what you want from from like fifty years time. Yeah, that's my point. That's I my fucking that, that the point. Sense. I ended up getting there eventually, <laughs> but yeah, that's my point. Is I don't know what Why would be ideal. Why use ten words when you can use a hundred? Yeah, I mean, because I can see um, is is a weird different conflict between. Like when I grew up, we're growing up. We were kind of very proud to be British and all that kinds of mm. stuff because there was a lot to be proud for. Mm. But then also kind of getting to the point where that nationalism, I think, it's just it's outdated. Like I almost want to say that yeah, I'm pretty globalistic in terms of I think that the whole world should be the world. But then I understand the need for different divides because there's different cultural cultures and ways of doing things, and it's worth for the per, the people of that part of the world. That I think I can 100% see how it's difficult to have a globalistic attitude and I think it's perfectly reasonable why these different nations need to exist but then also the conflict they inspire because people don't necessarily have understanding for people across different borders and cultures and stuff like I think ideally that maybe if we have a globalistic society where where it's the world versus space or world versus or this solar system versus another one you know, versus is a weird kind of way to yeah. say it, but you kind of get what I'm saying. But, you know, I mean, but then that could, if we are globalistic and how we have that kind of attitude for it's the world together as one moving towards a common goal, then things, when we start populating Mars and stuff, that is an issue that's going to come up because it's like, well, fuck with them, so we got a massive border between planets. You know? Hmm. I feel like it's it's almost like the kind of ways we would assume would fix culture and society and the economies and like like just different nations and stuff. Well, the solutions that we think that might work now are probably not necessarily right because we're not thinking about it in the right way or with the right perspective. If you get what I'm saying, I don't know if you kind of. I feel like that. The way I, 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 which I feel like I kind of get yeah, what, what you're trying. To I feel say. like we're trying to solve um, certain issues with the attitude from that causes these issues. So, like the way a right. tree will naturally lean towards the light, that's just the way the society is, and just as it, on a global scale, and us as a species, we have a, a certain way of leaning. No matter how hard we try, otherwise, it's just the way we live. There's a certain way we're going to think about things in, in our own context, but I think that that needs to kind of go. For, not go, because it's, it's there for a reason, because it got us to this point. But I think that to solve certain issues that we've never faced on a global scale, I think there needs to be a different perspective. Right. And I think that's even... That's, let's take it to the next level when you include different planets. Okay. <laughs> I got more than a bargain for when I asked that question, didn't I? Oh, it, well, it's complicated. What are you talking about, man? It is complicated, yeah. I think. And you, you've you've touched on. There's a lot of shit there. There. So you can probably pick down. 
a lot. Yeah, I get what you're trying to say. It's difficult to to say what you want in, to see in 50 years from that perspective because what you want now is coloured by what our what is subconscious understanding of what is is. Yeah, and you know what what our priorities are inevitably. Well, not inevitably, probably going to change in within the next 50 years based on increasing globalisation, the improvement of technology, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, but you know, w- w- without the ability to remove that context from the equation, I'd just say it would be good if you know whoever gets to, to Mars first, whether it be um, NASA or China or more likely a, a Corporation. A, a corporation or a, a group of corporations and a big rocket emblazoned with many, many, many corporate logos. <laughs> going, sponsored rocket. Sponsored by, you know, <laughs> many, many hundreds of corporations in one way or another going to Mars. That first step will open the door and I want to see some sort of permanent human presence on there. Similar to what we have in the, the International Space Station currently. You know, it's it's not self-sustaining by any no. means, but it's permanent. People have been up there on a permanent basis for a number of years now, and to see that on Mars would be a clear indication of a, a step forward. Yeah, I think I so. feel that's reasonably realistic. Oh yeah, uh, no, that's no, that's one hundred percent realistic. Yeah. Okay. But, um, yeah, no, I agree with that, but I think it's. Um, yeah, it's a lot so, more yeah, I mean, like when you, when you ask those questions, it's like, what, what ideally would you want in fifty years? It's difficult not to go into like, oh, world peace, you know, and everyone's. Well, not, no yeah, one's I mean, I could stuff. never answer that question in a more generalist sense. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was getting into real the minutiae of just the complicated yeah. thoughts. It's just ideas and shit. But uh, well, this is a complicated issue. Yeah, I feel like we've we've kind of covered what we can with our. Well, so very limited certainly understanding. from my level of understanding of it <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I mean yeah, my, my limited understanding of it is, is limited because I haven't I haven't studied it I'm not a professional scientist no, or a physicist know. but I'm interested in it and I like to research it and I think on a final note that is that is partly down to people like Stephen Hawking isn't it who oh yeah well it makes it accessible it. yeah it's, it's, it's for people that haven't like well like us who don't have degrees in physics or mm. you know space travel if you can get one math you know it's it's we need it to be accessible because yeah. I mean who has the time to go through all the kind of valid research and theory, theories and stuff surrounding an issue to make a, an educated judgement that's very difficult to do that's very time consuming you know, and the average person can't do that. So it needs people like Stephen Hawking to break it down for us and kind of say that, you know, this is kind of what we think is the way things are, you know. Mm. So, yeah. Man. Anything else? I don't think so. About just in? rambling more, but yeah, I think we've rambled more. Ramble right on! <laughs> <laughs>